With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. In T-minus 3, 2, 1, we begin the fun. Touring our way through the NBA from that big, big apple to the place by the bay. Is your mind buckled in? Because it's time to begin. Seiko and his friends are doing it again. The Hang Time Podcast is the spot, so sit back, relax, because the show's about to drop. Welcome here to another edition of the Hang Time Podcast. I'm your host, Seiko Smith, here in the studio in Atlanta, and we got a guest live in the building. My man, Anthony Morrow, you know him from his days at Georgia Tech and in the NBA, a sharpshooter. NBA career that spanned years, man, different teams, different places. We finally get him in the studio here to talk about all of that and more. The basketball life of Anthony Morrow here on the Hangtime Podcast. Hey, Mo, what's up, man? Sekou, what's going on, man? Thanks for having me, bro. Man, I'm good. I'm glad you're finally here, man. We we crossed paths in all these hallways all these years. Yeah. You know, yeah. people don't get a chance to slow down and really have deep conversations, man. And I know mm-hmm. you I know you're doing your own podcast, so I appreciate you stepping out a little bit. Yeah. And joining ours, man. Um first and foremost, we you know, we're talking about the NBA here in twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Post All Star break, all the things that have gone on in the last month. Yeah. Um, you know, David Stern passing away. Yeah. Kobe Bryant suddenly and his daughter and seven other people passing away. It's been a it's been a tumultuous stretch. For the NBA ecosystem, and just in terms of these shocks to the system, man, what has yeah. that been like? The interactions you've had with guys you played with over the years, conversations you might have had during All Star Weekend, just about where everybody is right now in their careers and their lives. Yeah, um, I, I, you know, obviously it's been sad. Rest in peace, David Stern. Obviously, rest in peace, Kobe Bryant and Gigi and the other seven uh, people involved in their families. It's been a weird. I mean, I was at All Star. I wasn't. I didn't really interact at a whole lot of events, but just with the people I saw and the interactions I saw, I feel like guys are a lot more. I think it's it's brought a lot of guys more closer together. You know, just in terms of the way you know, I've seen just so much love shown throughout the guys and and even just the NBA family. We talking about coaches and other people's families of guys. It's just a. It, it's been more of a kind of more of an intimate um, like yeah. relationship and atmosphere. I felt that when I was in Chicago, and I feel like that's important. You know, it's sad that, you know, those tragedies happen like that, and then it brings people closer together. But, you know, it just says a lot about, you know, the NBA's handled, they handled, they've handled it as well as they can in terms of the tributes and, you know, even with the all-star format for Kobe and just the love they've shown, um, you know, for David Stern and the families involved. So, you know, it, 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 the NBA is a it's a tight knit family. It's a tight knit, um, you know, kind of like fraternity. Yeah. And you know, when stuff like that happens, man, everybody kind of draws closer together. So, it's dope to see that, you yeah. know. But just God bless everybody, man. No question. It's it's been weird. It's just been like a surreal feeling. Mm-hmm. And uh, All Star was the first time. I think we got every you know that whole community in one spot. So it kind of brought back all of that stuff, man. Yeah. But it, it got me to thinking about 
careers, and I and I sat down and talked with some some vets, some legends, you yeah. know, Tim Hardaway Senior, um, you know, Dave Collins, just some old heads, yeah. To you know, to pick their brain, yeah, just to yeah. pick their brains about what the game looks like to them now in retrospect, what it looks like mm-hmm. in that rear view. Um, yours is a lot closer, obviously. Yeah, I mean, you you just were in the midst of this thing, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering, what does the league landscape look like to you right now with these that power shift in L.A. with LeBron and AD, yeah, you know, Kawhi and Paul George with the Clippers, kind of that dividing line. Them, them out west, and then Giannis, yeah. and, and Embiid, and some of these other young stars in the East. Man, is it? What's the balance look like to you as a player? You know, from your perspective, in terms of where the power lies in the league right now. I think it's as as competitive as I've seen it in in terms of the landscape in general. In terms of the talent, it's more back to the duos now. You got Ben, and you, and you got Joel, you got Katie and Kyrie, and it's not just. In the West, yeah. it's in the East as well. You got Giannis and whoever, Chris Middleton. <laughs> it don't even matter with him, right. you know. So I mean, it's. I think the parity is great. Um, I think it's. It's you know they only put about eight teams on ESPN and TNT, but right. all of those games are exciting regular season games, and that's something the NBA's always kind of struggled with is keeping our attention during the regular season. Mm-hmm. You know, the average fan. And I think you know with with the with the duos now you got Kimba and you got Jason Tatum, you know of course you got those powerhouses out there in L.A. But I think it's more spread out, you know. And and then it's even even some of the teams that we thought would be bad they've done well in the draft, and we want to see Memphis because Ja is playing for Memphis. We want to see New Orleans to see what Zion, yeah, Zion's going to do, you know. So I. I think I think that that's a good sign for the NBA. You know, even Phoenix, we want to see Phoenix more, see Devin Booker. Yeah. You know, so I, it's a lot of teams that's on the brink, and it's a lot of teams right now that, um, you know, I don't I don't just give LA the clear cut championship. Right. You know, I mean, you can watch Milwaukee, and they just as exciting as watching the Clippers or the Lakers, or you know. So I think it's good. I, I think it's moving in the right direction. It's a good balance with vets and young players. And the young up and coming players that we're gonna see develop for the next ten to fifteen years, so it's it's good. Yeah, you man, just looking at your own path mm-hmm. to the league, um, you know, Mister Basketball in high school in North Carolina. Should have got it twice. So no. good, wait a minute, wait. A minute. <laughs> Who stole your other one? I forgot. Uh, whoever, <laughs> no, he deserved it. I think it was uh, um, at my. It might have been Curtis Withers, I think, mm-hmm. but he's like a Charlotte legend. And right. then he went to UNC Charlotte after uh, that. Okay, yeah. He was great. He went to West Charlotte. So shout out to my. He'll be happy to hear I shouted him. <laughs> That's my guy. <laughs> no doubt. But Mr. Basketball, you know, in high school, Charlotte Latin school, right? Yep. I mean, which is, you know, you didn't go to one of these basketball powerhouse factory. You didn't go to IMG. Uh, yeah. You know, Oak Hill. You you stayed home and did it. Mm-hmm. Then you go to Tech yep. and spend four years, which is another rarity. Mm-hmm. Dudes don't spend four years in school no more. Yeah. Even if they're good enough to come out after the first couple of years or the first year, you know, you look at a guy that stays four years, and it's usually a reason. Like, well, why would a guy stay four years? Yeah. So you take that long grind. Then you take the hard grind to the league undrafted. Mm-hmm. But then you carve out this long career for yourself, man. What was that like? When was the point when you realized I'm I'm pursuing this basketball dream until uh, until I'm done until it till it flickers out? 
Really after Tech, because it was like a decision. And Coach Hewitt, I remember Coach Hewitt calling me and saying, hey, look, man, you want to just get a job? You know, don't worry about this basketball <laughs> shit and stuff. You know? And I was like, man, nah, I got to go, man. I got to I gotta try it, man. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I got to take a chance on myself because, I mean, I feel like I don't work so hard. And I know I can play overseas. Yeah. Like, it's not even a question. Yeah. So I wasn't really so much thinking about the NBA. It's just shout out to my agent, um, Wallace Prather. And, uh, you know, he put me in some positions to have some opportunities. And I was like, I just need a shot. Yeah. You know, I was standing up the gym right over here across the street. You know, you said you saw Iman jogging down yeah, the street. Yeah, I saw him jogging up the street. He got right that from me, man. Right, I used, I used right. to do that all the time. Like, I used to do, <laughs> leave the gym. And if I couldn't get a police escort at right. 2 o'clock in the morning because the, the stinger, the, the, the transportation system mm-hmm. for, on campus would be done by that time. Right. So I would go in at 11 o'clock, come out of there at 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning, and just jog back to my dorm over there off uh, uh Whatever it is down there now, Tim Street. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was just stuff like that. I just was, I mean, I just fell in love with the grind after I got out. Right. So I was like, you know, for this, whatever this span of time, two months or whatever before the draft, I just locked myself in that sweat, the sweat box gym yeah. down there and was like, man, I'm just going to pray and work, man. You know, whatever, wherever I land, I land. I actually signed and go to Ukraine for like 80000 mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm cool with that. I had right. a daughter on the way, you know what I'm saying? Baby mom was driving me crazy. <laughs> and I was like, man, I just want to make sure I get something solidified right. so I can just take care of my, my daughter and my family and all that. And I ended up getting a couple opportunities with the Miami Heat and Orlando Summer League and then with the Warriors. Yeah. And just, you know, just kicked that door down. Once I got my foot in the door, I was like, okay. I got to do whatever it takes to stay to the yeah. point where Sidney Moncrief and Keith Smart came to me before training camp. Hey, man, we see you. You know, there's cameras all in here. Yeah. I was staying in the hotel connected to the practice facility. Right, right. So it was like 2 o'clock. Uh, it'd be like 11, 12 o'clock at night. I'm like, I may as well go to the gym. Get some shots, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I ain't doing nothing here but playing Xbox. And <laughs> I got to be in the gym. You know, so I get my little key card, go up there, yeah. hit the weights, go in there, get on the gun and shoot, get three, 400 makes up. And it was like, you know, training camp coming up. You ain't been, never been through no NBA training camp. You need to chill. Yeah. You only got a few days left, mm-hmm. these two-a-days. And I said, you know, I called my mom and them. I was like, yo, man, I'd rather them tell me chill than you need to work harder work, or something. Yeah. You know, so. Do you think it's, <clears throat> um, it was kind of fate if you would go to a team like yeah. the Warriors to start out their values what right. you bring to the table. I mean, you're a 6'5 guy with a dead eye shot. Everybody right. knows that. Mm-hmm. It, you know, you get the ball in a space to shoot it, you know, it's going up. So yeah. maybe you, it feels like almost like that was fate, you know, right. that you would end up there starting out. I thank God every day for it, man. Yeah. Because Don Nelson was one of those guys that he wanted to find diamonds in the rough. Like, yeah. he took pride in, you know, my situation, Kalina Azabuki. Uh, C.J. Watson, you know, drafting Steph, you know, so high when people, you know, you didn't really know what Steph was going to be. So he took pride in that, man, but he was also one of those guys that it was almost like a built-in confidence he had for you, and it was something that rubbed off. That was, was like, one of his biggest gifts, I felt like. That's why he's so great. But, yeah, definitely, you know, that was a great opportunity for me because at that time the three-point shot wasn't what it is now. Yeah. So I, I, you know, if, you, if I if I shot four or five threes a game, that's a lot for a rookie coming off the bench, you know, at that time. So, um, 
Yeah, I mean, he 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 respected the work, man. He he respected you if you was in the gym. He was gonna give you every opportunity if you was if you was taking your craft seriously. He was gonna give you every opportunity. So, shout out to Coach Nelson out in Hawaii right now. Yeah, I know what he's doing out there, chilling. <laughs> yes, sir. You uh, you mentioned Wallace Prather. Your agent is a guy I've known for a long time. Yeah, um, he's been around this game at at every level for a long time. Mm-hmm. When you when you're going through the process of figuring out how to attack the NBA from that alternate route. Yeah. How important is it to have an agent who understands what that grind is? Because I would imagine you could get with somebody who's used to coming in a certain way and they would give you advice that would lend itself to really just one track. Yeah. But having Wallace, it would seem like he would understand it's, it's more than one way of doing this thing. Yeah, yeah. He was, I mean... We had a relate. We, we were cool before I even knew he was an agent. I always mm-hmm. tell people, kind of funny, like um, he was around. You know, not on a. You know, he just he was playing pickup. You know, right. with the guys, and um, I just was like, "Yo, who was the dude with all that hair, man? That, that this short, stocky dude <laughs> looking crazy out here fouling everybody, man? Right. You know what I'm saying? It was like, oh, he he went to Cornell. He an agent. I'm like him. Yeah. It was like yeah. And from then on, we got closer over the years, just in terms of. Uh, you know, just advice, you know, even, like, working out and stuff like that. And, you know, he's one of those guys, he demands, he expect a lot out of you. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's always watching. Like, he was always making sure I was in the gym and then to the point where he would just show up and know I would be in there, yeah. you know. So it was like a kind of like a family-type situation for us, and I felt just comfortable. And then, you know, after my first couple years in Golden State, I started getting those super agents and agencies like, yo, yeah. you need to, you know, and I stayed down, you know what I'm saying? Because I said, man, they're going to take care of me. I'll figure it out. You know, I'm not I'm not going to get this far because none of them believed in me. Right. He was the only one that believed in me. Yeah. I didn't have, like, agents knocking down my door right out of tech, <laughs> you know. So, you know, he was a guy that believed in me. But I think, you know, it was important for him to see the work ethic and see the approach to the game and them late nights in the gym and early mornings in the weight room and all that kind of stuff. He saw that. So I felt comfortable with going with him and still got a adult relationship today. So yeah. it was cool. Uh, you know, I've never understood this. <clears throat> you haven't lived it and done it. You could maybe explain it to me. Mm-hmm. Why is Atlanta not a, more of a hotbed for NBA players to come play for the team here? Like, they, they never make big splashes in free agency. Yeah. Yep. But then you look up and you walk around this town, and I'm telling you, you can't go two steps mm-hmm. without bumping into an NBA player, yep. past, present, or maybe future mm-hmm. in in the city of Atlanta. Why is it such a, a a magnet for players when they're not playing for the local team, you know, not yep. playing for the Hawks, but then not a hot destination when free agency cranks up? It's, this is, I mean, it, for, to me, it's the weirdest thing because Atlanta, I don't understand that at all. You know, it's not like it's a terrible ran organization. They've had some blunders in the past. But, I mean, right now, it's just, I think it may be players just don't, it's not easy to hope and live here. Really? With money. Right. And status and fame. It's like, it's not that. Too much? It's not, yeah, it's a lot. I mean, I could tell, you know, know, it's it's a lot. Unless you're used to being here. Mm -hmm. Like, like Josh didn't have any problem in Atlanta because he's from here. Right. You know, he could fit right in, you know, regardless of what anybody thinks, he's one of the first guys in the gym. Like, right. you know what I'm saying? So right. he was used to it. But some guys, I feel like it's hard for them lifestyle-wise to live here and play here. 
like I always said, and it's no disrespect to anybody before, uh, like Trey, Trey can be that now, but they ain't had no real superstar since Dominique. Right. So that drought in between there, I think it just left a certain taste in superstars' mouths mm-hmm. about coming to Atlanta and playing, yeah. you know. And it shows you how important the draft is. No disrespect to Marvin, but they took Marvin with that second pick and could have got Chris. Yeah. And that could have changed the complexity of your entire organization yeah. for the next 10, 12, 15 years. No question. So I think it's like stuff like that. You can't miss in the draft. That was an important draft for them, and they missed, and they never had the opportunity again to, like, they got Trey. Good point. So Good point. you got to lock Trey in. Um, but I think the organization on the way up, though, man, they, mm-hmm. they – uh, I think they got, they got Clint now, right? Clint Capella. Yeah, got Capella Trey. at the trade deadline. Yeah. Um, so I think they, they fit right in with how the NBA, yeah. the game is going. You, I mean, growing up in Charlotte, they had their own NBA environment over there. They had their own team, obviously. Yeah. So you have a different kind of – and I know people connect Atlanta and Charlotte kind of like they – Charlotte is Atlanta light. Or, yeah. Uh, you know, the diet version of Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. Not as much traffic, not as much crazy, but mm-hmm. what is that – Carolina basketball culture, like, because I know that that college, yeah, that Tobacco Road atmosphere is thick, absolutely in, in Charlotte and in, in the Carolina. Yeah, college. I mean, like we we look at ourselves like we the blue blood state. Mm-hmm. You got Duke, Carolina, Wake Forest, NC State. Like the the culture there is, you know, it's it's heavy. Yeah, from a collegiate standpoint, and we take pride in that. Obviously, you either a Duke fan or a Carolina fan. You know, it's like split down the middle in North Carolina, you know. And, um, I mean, from the NBA standpoint, we haven't recovered from when George Sheehan sold us right. to New Orleans. Right. It ain't it ain't, it ain't been the same. Been the same. Yeah, like, and then when they came back, like, I always thought, like, w- w- when they went back to the Hornets. Right. They didn't go back to the same the same logo. I'm like, go back to that logo. Right. The goofy hornet, you know, <laughs> but like go back to that. Don't give me this new shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like so it was it was just it's it, it's just never really recovered. Yeah. We keep getting the same draft picks, like the ninth, tenth, eleventh pick, but yeah. you can't really do anything with that pick. Yeah. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So it's the the NBA culture, I always said you know, and I told Fred Whitfield this, you know, uh, I went to the NBA leadership in Vegas, uh, the program. Mm-hmm. And he said, I know you. I know you from Charlotte. Yeah. I'm not going to ask you what I'm asking these other guys. He said, if I gave you a job in community relations, what would you do? I said, you got to go back to the real neighborhoods in Charlotte. Like, right. I know y'all going to go to the suburbs because those were the season ticket holders. At, yeah. But you got to go to the real city where people can't afford that and just get them excited about basketball again in Charlotte. So it's not, you know, it's just a, it's a, it's a misconnect, it's a disconnect right now. Mm-hmm. But I think it'll get back to yeah. somewhere close to what it was. That's it, that's interesting. You, you know, having those roots, and then you played in a couple places. Yeah, you played in Golden State before they popped, yep. like before they hit mm-hmm. and took off. You played in Oklahoma City at, a, to me, at a really interesting time. Yeah, when they were trying to figure out who they were going to be. Yeah, in their next iteration. Mm-hmm. You know, and dealing with Russ. And and that organization, what was that like? Seeing how everything broke down, for Oklahoma City with the, you know, they didn't just lose James Harden. Yeah. They had they had Serge Ibaka, James, Russ, and KD on, on as their young core at one point. Yeah, all of them have gone on to bigger and better things, mm-hmm. MVPs, championships. Yeah. But, but what was 
I can't imagine what that would have been like either being there at the time or in the aftermath. Yeah. Like when it was coming apart. Yeah. I, I mean, I got there with all, well, James wasn't there anymore, mm-hmm. but, uh, it was definitely, I always say that was like one or that was like the peak of my career almost mm-hmm. my first year for sure. And, um, well, OKC, <clears throat> but it was definitely, uh, it was a special team. It's a special city. It's a special organization. And, um, you know, man, it was it was like a movie. It's gonna be. It's, it could be like a great thirty for thirty. And I was only there for two and a half years. Right. And I was like, man, this is like. It seemed like I've been here for twenty years <laughs> with all the drama and you know the stuff yeah. that was going on. But you know, I, honestly, I always tell people, man, like I think that they all appreciated where they were in their careers then and where obviously where they are in their careers now. They all needed that period together, and they kind of grew up together yeah. in the NBA. And I feel like they just basically, they all kind of outgrew each other, man. Yeah. You're talking about four guys where you say they got, you know, multiple MVPs and um, finals MVPs, championship. All of them got championship, you know, except for James. But, right. I mean, it's just the success that they've had after that period of their careers. I think they all needed that. It's just unfortunate they couldn't win it in OKC. You know, because they had to go through the Lakers and the Spurs and all these things, you know, when they were younger. But, yeah, it was a special time, man. It was was a great organization. I got a lot of open shots. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you go get some buckets. I'm trying to tell you, man. It was it was special. It was dope, man. I'm proud of all those guys. When you you think about, you said that you felt like that was the the peak of your career, yeah. the one stretch in Oklahoma City. But you had other seasons where you had more. You know, you scored mm-hmm. more. You mm-hmm. did more. Th- when were you at your most comfortable? And I don't mean just on the court. When yeah. did you feel like, all right, through all this? I've been, you know, I've arrived. Like I kind of got, I got to yeah. this point where I got the respect of my my peers. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. The league knows what I can do and what yeah. I'm about. What What was that moment in time for you? When When was that? Um, I would say after my second year when I signed with New Jersey, mm-hmm. like my first like multi year deal. Yeah, that's when I really felt like you know I'm solidified. You know, you're starting to get the respect of those guys that you had. Slam magazine posters over your wall. They finally having conversations with you on the court, right? Cause you know them got like my guys. Like I was, you know, like Kobe, Ray Allen, and yeah. Paul Pierce, and those guys. I, I grew up watching D Wade. Mm-hmm. They don't say nothing to you until they like kind of respect you. You yeah. know what I'm saying? <laughs> when you start getting like comments and little chit chat with them on the court. You kind of appreciate that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, it's probably probably when I signed with New Jersey. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt like all right now. People gonna know, you know I'm, I'm on the scouting report for real. Yeah, you know, and that just drove me to work harder because I was like, I want to stay feeling like this. Mm-hmm. You know, and barring injury, had some injuries and stuff, obviously, but you know, it was uh, it was definitely probably that time. Do you do you look back and have any regrets about what you did or didn't do? Opportunities that you did pursue didn't like, and I know it's fr- you, you know you you probably need more distance to really. Yeah. Examine it, but do you look back and say, "Man, if I'd have did this or I'd have went there, I'd have." Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say regrets. Mm-hmm. It's teams that, um, it's teams that I wish I would have signed with at the time. Yeah, where yeah, I, but it's, you got to go where the money at, right. basically, you know. And I like with Jersey, 
I didn't want to go to Jersey because mm-hmm. I wanted to stay in Golden State because I, I felt established there, right. and I wanted to, you know, I wanted to play there forever, obviously. But um, I was cool with going to Jersey because I liked Avery Johnson, and you know, I wanted to be with something that was new and fresh. Yeah. So, but that was like I didn't really want to go there. Like I had to go to the press conference. We, I'm like, <laughs> yo, we in LA. I'm in LA. I'm in Vegas. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna go back to right. the Bay, and they like, yeah, Jersey called, and I was hyped. And then I realized, damn, I got to go to the Meadowlands. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. So it was like I had to get on a plane. I had to go to men's warehouse and get a suit right. and get on a plane. And it was raining. And I had my cousin and my pops with me and my homegirl. <laughs> and I'm like, man, bro, I hope they match this offer somehow. Yeah. They're like, nah, it's over. You're going to do a press conference. I'm like, yeah. all right, cool. It is weird, but, you know, that was one. But then, like, OKC was somewhere I was really excited to go. Right. You know, because that felt like a new energy. The year before, I was in New Orleans for a year, and I got back to, like, top five and three-point percentage. Mm-hmm. Started really working on my body. I was getting older. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't that old, but I was so I working on my body, conditioning. So I was like, I, was like, I can't get hurt no more, you know. Yeah. So I established myself back with New Orleans, and then I got that three-year deal with OKC, and I was like, all right, I needed this second one, and we got a chance to win a championship. Yeah. So it was fun. It was the most locked-in Fun, funnest team I had probably played on in my life. Yeah, yeah. When I'm trying to think too, and what does this do to a family? Like you mentioned, having your pops and man, you know, you got this extended network of people that they've been invested in you from the time you, you know, you start dribbling the ball. Yeah. Mom and dad, brothers and sisters, friends, you know, yeah. relatives. What What does that do to that dynamic once you continue to travel up to the the basketball food chain like that like yeah. you go to college i've seen it 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 changes people's outlook on how they view it like yeah. because a you go in and you're playing at a division one school that means you're playing on scholarship but you also are going to places that your family might not have been before yeah. just and i mean just general travel i had a cousin that played back in the 90s early 90s he played at purdue with glenn robinson it okay. was it was like from our little hometown where he was a big deal to going to college, it turned into, whoa. Yeah. Like, you know, you go to an NCAA tournament game in Knoxville, and it's like the crowd and the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Everything changes. How did that change for your family? Uh, I mean, it was cool. Like, I I mean, I, I felt like my family started understanding that when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Like, nah, he's going somewhere. Like, you know. And then when I, I committed to take early, you know, and – um. I mean, it was it was definitely a transition from that feeling at, at Georgia Tech. They like, yo, bro, gonna be on ESPN tonight against Duke, <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? Right. So it, it was a pride. Like I didn't, but like you said, I had to get kind of distance. Like when I got yeah. older, I really realized what that meant. How when big I see was, yeah. our little my little homies now, Grant Williams for the Celtics, right. went to Providence Day from Charlotte. Right. Davon Dotson went to Providence Day from Charlotte. When I saw when I see them at Clemson and at Tennessee and right. you know, and now Grant's with the Celtics, if I'm like, that's what it felt like <laughs> for them when I was there. You know what I'm saying? Right. So like it, it if you you see it from kind of like a outside looking in, like you look at it from that perspective, you you understand it more because I was always a guy like, and even the NBA, like I've been out the NBA for three years now. Yeah. And 
I always tell people like the stories that you know I get to hang with my 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 my, my homies now more, with my family more, you know. Yeah. So when you sitting around with your people and they start telling stories about stuff that you don't forgot, <laughs> like yeah, you remember in 2012, right. bro, you had this, this, and this, and blah blah, and they talk about it, and I'm like, damn, you remember that? Like I don't even remember that. Yeah. You know, so like in in retrospect, you really can appreciate the influence and you know just the love and the support that you got from your people. And I think that's probably the dopest part of being in, like, this transitional part of yeah. my life. You know, it's like people was really, I'm like, y'all was really watching. Y'all really got that lead pass for me, huh? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> so it was dope, man. You know, I, I, I loved it. That's awesome, man. And it, it makes me think, too, when, when you start plotting that transition, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, to this next phase, how do you, as a player, we see, I've seen so many guys, and it's really impressive. We talked about Kobe at the outset of this yeah. podcast. A guy who, to me, was making the most masterful transition I've seen for beautiful. a truly elite superstar player yeah. to turn that page into something else. And the first year out, you win an Oscar. And you start doing all the, you know. Man. that's To me, that's got to be inspiring for other players. Yeah. But there's a lot of guys now going in different areas mm-hmm. after they're done playing. Like, how do you, how do you zero in on what is going to be your next passion, not to replace what basketball was for you because ba- it's all consuming obviously yeah. when you, from D1 college to the NBA everybody knows that's an all consuming lifestyle Yeah, you know you got 8 to 9 to sometimes 11 months of your life plotted out yeah. because you know what the schedule is you know what the you know what the rigor is to get through that now you got all this time and space to kind of craft yeah. that next act what, do you, what did you do to formulate what you wanted to do and how did you go about attacking it um, I saw. I I really used to be excited to go to those NBA PA meetings, mm-hmm. and um, I remember the first one I had in Golden State as a rookie. I played with Stephen Jackson, shout out to Stack and Matt, obviously with um, yeah. all the smoke. And Stack was in the meeting, just spearheading it, like, "Yeah, I got a charter school, and what about this, and what are y'all gonna do for us for this." And I just never, I never looked at him like that. Like he, I, I, he was always like a guy that I respected so yeah. much. I was so glad to get his respect. Obviously, he's still like a big, big bro to me. Yeah. And um, I just got more and more in tune with like just like the career, like the career options they had for us, and just like the different guys that came in and talked about transitioning from playing to businessmen, or you know, entrepreneurs and. I always was like, man, I gotta. I, I know I want to do something with fashion one day, and I know I want to be a businessman. Like I wanted, I didn't know what it was going to be then, but I always was just looking for different guys to talk to. You know, I knew Devin George had a lot going on in real estate, yeah. and you know, I would hear Corey McGetty talk a lot about business. Al Harrington would talk a lot about stuff that he was going to do because they were later in their careers, you know, and. You know, I just always kind of just stayed around those guys just to hear what they what they were doing and what they had going on. And for me, I transitioned with the fashion. I got a clothing company called Own Sense of Style. I've been doing that for like two years. It's doing pretty well. And I invested in some real estate out in L.A. building houses with a group of guys out there and storage facilities in North, North Carolina we invested in. So it was just, it's fun. You know, and then I was my, my charities, Anthony Mall Charities. And the podcast, just to like podcast, shout out to Justin. But it's all stuff I wanted to do. I always yeah. wanted to speak. I always wanted to be on, you know, 
Say Koo Smith show. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right, and I right. wanted I wanted to have my own thing like that. I, yeah. I, I wanted to transition and do stuff that I was still passionate about. And it's those are all the things that I'm passionate about. And you know, just staying close to those older guys that had those. They already had the ball rolling with that while they were playing, mm-hmm. which is hard to do, especially when you got a family and yeah. you know and all that. You got a hoop. You got a family. You got your businesses, and. You know, those guys pretty much inspire me, man. So I, I want to be like that for yeah. the guys that's coming out of college or young guys in the league mm-hmm. and help reach back and get them the game that I got. Yeah. Do you do you think it's a uh, – I think personally watching it over the last 20 years too, it's gotten – that landscape has gotten more manageable for players too because yeah. there was a time it seemed like yep. guys weren't – even if they were schooling you on in a locker room, mm-hmm. outside of that cocoon, outside of that bubble that that is the NBA, yeah, maybe the, everybody wasn't as likely to see uh, Al Harrington in a business space or yeah. to see guys in those different spaces. Yeah. Does it look like it changed for you in the time you started in the league to now? Just how much and how willing people are to accept former players in some of these different environments? Man, 100%. Like, I came in the league in 08. So even in 08, it was more of a, um, you know, they were still telling us them them horror stories about guys making $100 million and they flat broke three yeah. years outside of the league. So it was like kind of like a transitional stage from that to what it is now. Like, it's way more knowledge. It's way more information. Guys sharing way more information with each other. They they linking up and they teaming up to make moves while they're playing business wise. And you know, for me, I mean, you know, you would hear guys were successful, but they wasn't. You didn't know how they got there. Excuse me. And I think that um, it's getting even more. It's getting it's getting even more and more better. Like guys are younger entrepreneurs in the NBA. You know. 20, 23, 24 years old, and they got companies already versus you worried about how you're going to do that when you're 30, like 34, 35 because yeah. you ain't playing nothing. you know. So I, I think I came in right in the middle of that transition stage. And, you know, I, I salute Kobe, D-Wade, and LeBron. Yeah. With like Really, those guys was the ones that started really talking about, you know, you start seeing them on the restaurants and, you know, invest. Now they got these guys investing in tech companies right. and, you know, there's just a lot more opportunities out there, and I think the NBA has done well with their partnerships, and they just being open for guys, like giving guys opportunities. They're more open to it now versus, you know, guys getting all that money. Obviously, financial literacy now is the spirit. They, they spearheading the NBA now. Like, you have to understand how to how to deal with money. Yeah. And, um so those things have been big in in the transition, and it's dope to see the younger it, it, they're getting younger and younger with the mindset of I want businesses and companies while I'm playing. Yeah. So it's dope, man. Do you? Last thing on that front too. Do you feel like in in the give back, as much as the league has changed, yeah, as much as college basketball has changed, the awareness and understanding of the bigger picture to me for the grassroots level cast. Like when I see high school kids mm-hmm. talking the way I heard Jalen Brown talk when he was in high school, yeah, was jarring. Like mm-hmm. how clear his mind was about what was coming next for him. Yeah, because these guys know a lot of times they mm-hmm. know now in the when they ninth and tenth graders, 
I, you know, you hear about them, you you know that they can play, the talent level is there. Mm-hmm. But it seems like now the kids understand what's at stake with every move they make, mm-hmm. even at 15, 16. Have you seen a shift there? And do you talk to young cats? Like, I'm sure you got young kids in Charlotte trying to follow your footsteps. Yeah. They probably come to you wanting, to know, wanting you to put them on to how you navigate this process. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, LeBron, I really – a lot of that is LeBron mm-hmm. because LeBron had that mindset at a time where most of the guys coming out of high school, you wouldn't hear him talk the way he was talking about what he wanted his career to be. And he ha- he kind of had a plan. And a lot of kids now, I think with social media and also just how the, the league has been progressive in terms of embracing those young guys and making them, you know, letting them understand, like have a voice and, you know, they, they, they want to promote you being an entrepreneur or taking control of your career. And a lot of guys are doing that. And they seeing the standard. You see LeBron spearheading that. You coming out of school and you 16, 17 years old, that's the guy. You know what I'm saying? Kobe, yeah. those guys, you know. I, I mean, no disrespect to the earlier, um, you know, the, you know, Mike yeah, and all those guys. But we didn't know what Mike was doing. We just saw that he was successful. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like Mike wasn't going on. It wasn't Instagram. Mike wasn't right, going right. and like, yo, come shadow me for a day with yeah. Michael Jordan. Like, yeah. he's doing that now, obviously. But he wasn't doing that in 1991, yeah. 1996. You know, yeah. if he was doing that then, you know, would've guys would have had more yeah. of a – like, oh, that's what the standard is. I, I, I need to move like that. Yeah. We just didn't know. Yeah. So now I think, it, like I said, I think it's just more of sharing of information. And like I said, the league has been really good at giving guys those opportunities. You know, it's an individual league. It's a star-driven league. So they really want to empower the players. And guys is taking advantage of it earlier in their careers, which is, I mean, it's helping the league. And obviously it's helping guys stay in the league longer and not have to deal with not having money three, four years outside the league. So it's dope. It's a very interesting period we're in, if you ask me. Yeah. We're not only transitioning from a generation to the next. Um, You know, we're talking about decades. But I think about LeBron, you know, D-Wade, some of these guys who have left the game. You know, LeBron, Carmelo, CP. Yeah. To me, they're of that next generation, even separating with KD mm-hmm. and those guys. Because when you four or five years separated in age, that's mm-hmm. a generation. Yeah, like I know, I know seventeen-year-old kids who think the Warriors have been the Lakers <laughs> for the last forty years, not yeah. realizing that. Yeah, that's just you like know, what, yeah. <laughs> what the Warriors have done is very current and recent. Uh-huh. Um, what do you envision this league looks like when we move past? LeBron. At some point, the yeah. Joker has got to stop playing. I know it don't seem like it right now. At some point. But at some point, the Zions, the John Morants, guys we talked about, these mm-hmm. younger players, they got to step up and be the face of this league. The Luka yeah. Doncic's, the mm-hmm. Trey Young's. Yeah. Giannis is already on the scene. Like, What does that landscape in the next few years look like to you as we transition from one group of stars, all-time great stars, yeah. to that next one? I think it, I think it's good. You know, um, you know, we used to having like that generational changing guy. Yeah, like LeBron is that for us right yes. now. Uh, yes. As good as these other guys are, LeBron is that. No so question. they always going to be looking for the next that. Yeah, you know. Now if 
Zion and Trey and all of those guys turn into and and Ja, if they turn into that, then you know it remains to be seen. But like I was saying earlier, it's a lot of young talent and a lot of parity in the league that when LeBron does step down, the league will still be interested. Mm-hmm. Ratings might fall a little bit, whatever. But it's always going to be another one of those like, okay, that's going to be the guy for the next fifteen years. He always comes back around. Yeah. You know, we don't. I don't know when we're going to see the next Bron. But it always comes back around. But I think, you know, the league being an individual-driven sport, it'll always be interesting. Yeah. You know, and now, like I said, even the the teams that aren't as good right now, they're exciting to watch. Like, I can watch the Hawks now because yeah. I want to see Trey and John Collins and yeah. DeAndre Bembry and all those guys. I want to watch them play. It's fun to watch. It's just not very good yet. Yeah. So it's, it's the league's doing a good job of uh, – you know, still keeping the league interesting, even outside of the Milwaukee's and the right. and the Lakers and the Clippers and all those kind of teams. So. I remember me and my boys we used to argue about this, and we it's two guys in particular we always still talk about. It. This is years ago. It was Kobe, it was Vince Carter, and Tracy McGrady. Yeah, I and we used that. to have. Now I'm talking. We used to be in the dorm, going crazy, <laughs> having knockdown, drag out arguments at our apartment, whatever. Mm-hmm coming to blows over which one of them was going to end up being the best player. Yep. And now when Kobe gets, you know, inducted into Hall of Fame this year, two of them will be in the Hall of Fame with Vince on the way. Mm -hmm. So all three of them ended up having all-time great careers. Yeah. But we had, like you mentioned, a succession plan. Whether you pass the baton or get snatched, somebody is coming after you, Mm -hmm. you know. LeBron came for the baton before Kobe was probably ready to pass it. Yes, you know? yeah. <laughs> KD tried to snatch it before LeBron was ready to pass. You know what I mean? Like, yep. I, do you think? And and, and kind of we'll wrap it up here. But do you think that is what the lifeblood of this thing is? Is just that that competitive character that you have from guys playing? Because I tell people all the time, you got to understand. You did it, so you may not recognize this. Y'all are the one percent of the one percent, yeah, on planet Earth to play this game. Yeah, which I don't know if that resonates with the guys who play at the time. Like everybody is out trying to play ball on the weekend. Yeah. Y'all do it as a craft. Yeah, only a small percentage of people do that, and and I'm wondering is that what drives that one percent? You yeah. know the the, the striving to be that great player, striving to be that next guy. Whether you are or not, I would imagine that's got to be the fuel cell for guys to compete and perform at this level. Yeah, I mean, you don't really, like I said, like we was talking about (laughs) earlier, you don't really realize it because you're in it. In the moment, yeah. You're in it. Like like when people tell me, yo, yo, I saw you had 25 the other night, I'm like, man, that seemed like it was two weeks ago. (laughs) Like, you know how much done happened in the last three days since that game, man? (laughs) Like, I'm worried about the – you can't even sit and worry about that no more. That's over with. You know what I'm saying? So, you in it, you don't really see it. But, like I said, like, outside of it, you really realize, like, man, the level of focus, you know. And I was one of them guys that was like, I got to beat everybody to the gym. Like, I can't – you know, I'll go back to the gym 10 o'clock at night, get five, 600 makes on the gun, run some sprints, lift weights. You know, just like it's that kind of focus that you got to have just to be in the league. Yeah. Like, it ain't like you're got you you're gonna be Kobe or something. Like, <laughs> right. You just got to stay. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely it's, 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 it's a mindset that you got to have 
that you're like a little bit maniacal, mm. but you know what I'm saying? Like it, it, you got to be focused and locked in on another level when you're at that level, man. I don't, and I don't know any guys that play in the league that didn't have that. Yeah. You know, so that's what's up. A lot of people, like I said, don't appreciate it. Yeah. I've been around so long. I'm just used to y'all and, and seeing this level of craftsmanship. Like, yeah, I used to think before I was, up close to the NBA, I used to be like, ah, they just talented, you know. Yeah. They everybody just out there and they talented. Mm. Man, it's so much work. It's a lot. So much work involved. Yeah. Now, yeah. I don't know if you can stress that enough to young people yeah. that are trying to do that, but it's like I hope they all strap up and understand the kind of work it takes to play in the league, let alone become a star or a superstar, but just to make the league. It's such a small amount of people in mm. the history of our planet who have done it, and I don't think. We all appreciate that enough. So, uh, look, man, I'm 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 digging in on all you're doing now. Though. I'm I'm yeah. I'm here for the podcast and you know all the business you got going on beyond basketball, man. Always good to see you. Always, you know that. Always good to talk to you and to have you come into the studio, man. We appreciate you taking that time. Thank we'll uh, we'll definitely keep following you. Please do, man. Thank you, man. No doubt. I really appreciate hey, my, it, my man. Good to see you. Say cool, my yes, sir. Guy. Yeah. We always love having great. Basketball conversations here on the Hang Time Podcast. And Anthony Morrow joined us in studio for a fantastic one, as always. Um, we appreciate you, and uh, we'll see you right here next week on the Hang Time Podcast. This one is done, but in case you want another one, here's the link to all the fun from Seku Smith's Hang Time Run. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, NBA.com slash Hangtime, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, Hoops fans.